says, it's good to be back. Why don't you take a minute and welcome each other to our worship this morning. song. We got one more song. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and stay standing as we praise the Lord this morning. Will you pray with me? Lord, we just, we want to enter into your presence. We just ask that you draw nearer to us. We love you, we need you, and we're here to, to praise you and give thanks. Amen. Amen. Let's praise his name. I will sing, I will shout, and glorify your name. All of creation testifies, and I will do the same. I will sing, I will shout, and glorify your name. All of creation testifies, and I will do the same. I will do the same. Giver of life, I will sing. 
may have heard this story before. It's in the book of John. Have you ever heard the story and the miracle when Jesus turns water into wine? How many of you heard that before? Yeah, several of you. Well, this is really the first time that Jesus does a miracle. And the scripture says, on the third day a wedding took place at Cana, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. This means Jesus and his mom were at a wedding feast. Have you ever been to a wedding feast before? A wedding with your mom and dad, and you're celebrating, and you just see the love of God? Well, something happened. They have no more wine. Now, in Jesus' day, this was huge. This was very embarrassing to the bride and the groom because it was almost like, we've run out of food. We've run out of cake. We've not planned real well. And so, Jesus and Mary begin to talk a little bit. Now, I love the miracle of the water into wine, but there's something else that I see in this scripture. And when you continue down past that, in 5, it says, do what he asks you to do. So Jesus and his mom have this little discussion, and uh, Mary says, I see a problem, and only you can fix it, Jesus. So what do you think Jesus does? Does he say, not my problem? No. Do you think he talks back? his mother. I hope not, Hudson. I hope not. (laughs) But you know what he does? Jesus' mother says, do what he asks you to do. Jesus does it. He does what he's expected to do. And so he goes to the servants and he says, go get a lot of water. They do that. They don't know why. And he turns the water into wine, and the party goes on, and it's the best wine ever. But you know what's better than that? Jesus is like us. He loves and he respects his mom so much that he does what he is asked to do. Just like us, he was a little baby, and now he's a grown man, and he's still listening to his mother. To me, that is really cool, just to know that Jesus is so much like us. So I know all of your moms have given you the look. Who can tell me what a mom look is? Who can volunteer to show me? 
while you're thinking of that, I want two people to come forward because you know what? This is what my mom would do. It was the head nod and it was the raised eyebrows. Do you have one, Addison? Like this, this means business right now. No funny business allowed. Who has one that you want to show? Come on up. Oh, are you ready, Holly? <laughs> Where's Holly? Oh, yeah, that's, that's good. It's the head nod. You know what? She doesn't have to say a word. Thank you so much. She doesn't have to say a word, but you know she means business. And that was the respect that Jesus had with his own mother. And so we're to be like Jesus. We're to serve like he served. We're to be kind to others. We're to help others wherever we're at, whether in our home or school, whether at Walmart or McDonald's. Because you know what? Jesus showed up at that wedding. That was a time when they really needed Jesus. And he showed up and he gave them hope. And that's what we have in our own lives. We see the power of Jesus in working in our, in our own lives. Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Gracious God, thank you for bringing us here and walking all the ways with us. Put those in our path that we can help and love and serve just like you did. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's go. Good to see all of you here, visitors. We welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ. We're glad that you've come to worship with us today. We have a interesting wall section over there, and there will be another one over there next week. It has to do with prayer. There will be an opportunity for people to come forward, and there is right now, as the other one is down in the prayer chapel. But uh, if you have a prayer that you want to write down and, and uh, send to God, or to just as a as a uh, statement, you can actually place it in one of the chinks there in the wall. And uh, when that, uh, we've had these for several years, when the wall's filled up, I guess we'll, we'll uh, burn the whole thing. I don't know what we'll do, but the prayers will not be read by anyone other than God. God is the one who uh, uh, you are praying to. So if you have a prayer or a statement that you'd like uh, uh, to symbolically give to God you can you can do that in our prayer walls that will be starting in our prayers our in our, our worship services next week but in the meantime there's one here and there's one down in the prayer chapel that you can that is for your use along with that is tonight is the uh, pack the parsonage prayer power night and all of you are invited uh, we will uh, we'll make room however uh, many come so please uh, plan to uh, come the addresses there and then you notice we've got some other things that are coming up one thing as you're reading through this the family worship and the the trip to the shrine of christ passion and uh, playful uh, preschoolers if you are considering walk to emmaus uh, we need to know real soon so we can get you signed up so please contact me or joy uh, kathy ramp uh, if uh, or you know, someone to uh, let them know of your interest so that we can get you, get you signed up for that. 
Other announcements are on the back of the bulletin that you can look at at, uh, um, at your leisure. But right now we're going to continue on with our worship service by the giving and receiving uh, of uh, our offerings and tithes. So let's pray for those offerings. Lord God, I thank you and I praise you for all the things that you have done for us, how you have blessed us in so many ways. And we now will return to you our tithes and offerings. And uh, we do this in a worshipful way, Lord, because we are asking that you will use them to further your work in this world. In Jesus' name I pray. Bring you my heart, bring you my praise, bring you my broken dreams I've lost along the way. Lift up my voice, lift up my hands, lift up the moments in my life that I don't understand. And I lay it at the cross Where I'm surrounded by your grace And I marvel at the wonder of your love I stand amazed I stand in awe I stand forgiven in the midst of it all before you I bow, before you I fall, blessed Redeemer, sweet Savior of all, I stand amazed. I offer you thanks, I offer my life. I offer a sacrifice of praise when I'm scattered by the night. For you are my shelter, you are my king, you are the risen Son of God, the Lord of everything. Now I'm standing at the cross where I'm surrounded by your grace. And I marvel at the wonder of your love. I stand amazed. I stand in awe. I stand forgiven in the midst of it all. Before you I bow. Before you I fall. Blessed Redeemer, sweet Savior of all. There is life in His body, and there is grace in His blood. There is peace for the sinner, given by God's love. I stand amazed. I stand in awe, I stand forgiven in the midst of it all. Before you I bow, before you I fall, blessed Redeemer, 
sweet Savior of all. I stand amazed. I stand in awe. I stand forgiven in the midst of it all. For you I bow. For you I fall. Blessed Redeemer, sweet Savior of all, I stand Many of you know it's St. Patrick's Day, and St. Patrick had a prayer that uh, I'd like to go into this, into this prayer time. Um, and he was, he was all about having his whole life filled with Christ. So we're going to open our prayer time with part of that prayer. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right side, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks to me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. Lord Jesus, make that our prayer as well. As we seek to fill our lives with you. Before, behind, in us. Lord, we invite you. Help us to be the, 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 the kind of Christ follower that people will see you when they think of us. And they will hear you when they speak of us. And they will see you when they see us. And they will hear you when they hear us. Help us to be ones that follow you so close, Lord, that we will become more and more Christ-like. Hear our prayers, Lord, as we speak to you our praises and our concerns about our own lives. But also, Lord, as you give us the names of those whom we need to pray for, we now lift them up to you.
Lord, hear all of our prayers, both spoken and unspoken. Answer them in your wisest ways. Hear us now as we pray together the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We have started a, a series here that will lead us up to Easter called The Questions of Jesus. Jesus had lots of questions. Most of them were used as teaching tools for the people. They would make you search deep in your hearts to seek to answer those questions. And that's what we're hoping will happen to all of us as we go through this season called Lent that leads up to Easter. And we are taking most of these questions, actually all of the questions, from the Gospel of John. Now there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first three are known as the Synoptic Gospels. They're similar. John is set up differently. If you've not read John, and even if you have, I would encourage you, encourage you during these next few weeks to, to read John. If you read a chapter a day, you can be through John in, in uh, three weeks. So uh, as we go through and we look at different segments of the Gospel of John uh, at home, be willing to read uh, the Gospel as well. Today we're going to be looking at basically what starts his ministry. It's the story of uh, the wedding feast. And you can find it on, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Incidentally, if you need a Bible, the ones that we have in our pews, those are uh, gifts from us to you. So go ahead and take one home if you would like, uh, because we want you to have scripture uh, that you can read the Bible at home. If you look on the inside cover, you'll see that it is a gift from your friends at Christ Church. So let's look at... Uh, Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples, who had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me, Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Let's pray. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us through your holy word. And Lord, I ask that this witness to your word will be faithful. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, this story officially begins Jesus' ministry. He had already called his disciples, at least some of them, and you could read about that in the first chapter. Uh, very, very interesting uh, ways in which they're called, and especially Nathaniel. What's, what's the deal with the interaction between Nathaniel and Jesus? But I'll let, you, uh, I'll let you read that and see what you can think of it. But this is... Uh, this is a wedding in a small backwater area, a small town. You know how small towns are? It seems like everybody gets invited to the wedding. And uh, 
Mary is there, and she might have been in some kind of capacity of a woman just helping, making sure things go well. Jesus is there. His disciples have been invited as well. And a thing about wedding celebrations in that culture in that time is they were an extended affair. They could last a long, long time. And the last thing you want to have happen is a break in hospitality. But there is a problem. Someone misfigured and they are about to run out of wine. They, uh, maybe people drank more than they thought they would. I don't know what it was, but they, and, and this, this would have been an amazing, terrible embarrassment to this young Galilean couple and, and extended family. How could that happen? And you know, how, you know how small towns are. They don't forget anything. imagine 30 years from that day someone bringing it up <laughs> you remember you remember Ezekiel and Naomi's wedding don't you they ran out of wine what a what a terrible thing that was that have they that young couple would have to live with that their whole lives verse 3 When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother, his mom, Mary, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. How was that mother's look? <laughs> they have no more wine. How many of you know that moms have a way of making requests without really asking a question? Or even making a directive statement of, you need to do this. It's more just a statement of a fact. They have no more wine. <laughs> My mom was a master at this. Even at age 96, she, before she died in September, she was a master, you know. Um, I loved going to visit my mom. I, you know, to me it was home to be with my mom. And every time I went to visit her, she had this mental to-do list. I never saw it. But she had a way of verbally rolling it out at the right time. And it, it, went, it, was, it was statements. It wasn't, it wasn't an ask or a directive. It was just, a, it, it would go like this. Oh, Roger, it's good to see you. Sit down and relax. You work so hard. You don't need to be doing a bunch of stuff around here when you're here. Just, just you always work so hard when you come. Just sit down and relax. And then there's a shift. She says something like, I noticed the last time it rained that the rain was pouring over those gutters. I wonder if they are clogged up again. <laughs> there it was. Statement. But also part of her to-do list for her youngest son who came to visit. She'd be sitting there and she'd say, I can see those cobwebs forming again in the corners up by the ceiling. You know, they are, they're, they're hard to reach. 
says my short mom to her 6'3 son. You know that garage needs a good cleaning, period. <laughs> but Roger, you just sit back and relax and enjoy your visit. Mary said to her son, they have no more wine. Jesus, faithful son that he is, knew that this was more than a statement. It was a call to action from his mom. He knew it, just like I know it when I received those verbal to-do lists. His response, you can see it in verse 4. His response starts out, woman, let's stop right there, okay? Can you even imagine ever calling your mother woman? I know what my mom would do. My mom would snatch me ball-headed. Because she used to use that term all the time when she was frustrated with me. I'll snatch you ball-headed. She would have done it too. I wasn't about to call her a woman. But as I read, the Greek form of this word that Jesus uses is a sign of respect. And some would say uh, a sign of respect and fondness. It's, it, it is holding her in high esteem. It would be like saying, um, dearest mother, um, but then he says, why do you involve me? Did you catch that? Why do you, why are you getting me involved? Why did you involve me? Well, I think I know. I think I know because, because Mary knew who Jesus was and is. Mary knew that Jesus, her son, was someone that she could trust and had faith in and understood that he could do something about this problem. As insignificant as it might seem when it has to do with simply just the embarrassment of a young Galilean couple, she knew he could do something about it. He didn't know what, she may not have known what, but he knew he, or she knew he could do something. But what, what did he do? Well, because of the importance of hospitality in that culture, it would be something that this young couple would never forget. Jesus, you know, his, his very first miraculous miracle, you know what, you know what, what, it, what it solved? It simply just solved the embarrassment of a backwater couple getting married. That was it. Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. What's this about his hour? Jesus referred to time and his, and his time or his hour several times in Scripture. He, he says it here. He says it in Mark 7 when he talks about his time is not yet here. But then he talks about his time coming. John 12, 23 says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. John 17, he talks about the hour has come. Mark 
26 and Mark 14 and Matthew 26 also talk about the hour has come. What was that hour? The hour that he's referring to is the hour of his crucifixion and his death. But now, at the way at the beginning of his ministry, he says to his mom, my hour has not yet come. That leads Mary to make a comment to the servants of the wedding. He simply says to them, do you remember what she said? Does anybody know? There you go. Do what he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. She goes to the servants and she says, pointing at her son, do whatever he tells you to do. She didn't probably know exactly what he was going to do. She probably didn't even think about it. She just simply trusted in Jesus that he would do whatever needed to be done. Now, you may know the rest of the story. You can read it in John, uh, John 4. It has uh, kind of an interesting thing that happens. There are empty jugs of, uh, that are filled with uh, water for purification rites, and these... Uh, these jars, these clay jars, are huge. They hold about 20 to 30 gallons each. Six of them. And he says, fill these jars with water. So they fill them to the brim. That's a lot of water. That would have taken a lot of work. And then he told the servants to draw some of, the, some of it out and take it to the master of the banquet. That would be sort of the MC of the event, I guess. And he takes a scoop out of, of it, or he takes it and he drinks what was the water, but now has turned to wine. And then he calls over the groom. Hey, Zeke, come here. Come here, man. The groom comes over. And this is what the master of the banquet says. says, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. And young Zeke straightens up a little bit. Instead of being shamed by the lack of hospitality, he's honored. But Jesus' question is, why do you involve me? That's a good question, isn't it? It's a very good question. For Mary, it was simple because she trusted her son. She had faith in her son. She knew what he could do. She knew that from the past. How about you? Each one of you are here, you are involving God. If I ask you the question, I'm going to ask you, and it's not a rhetorical question, we're going to pass around a mic for anyone who would be willing. The question is, why do you involve God in your life? Why do you do that? And the answer will be because of something God has done in your life in the past. It would be a testimony. And so I'd like you to, maybe a sentence or two or a brief statement, I, I don't want you to preach. I don't want you to spend 15 minutes, 
but I'd like you to briefly give a testimony to the question, why do you involve God in your life? And it will be something that's happened in the past that you know that you can trust him. Someone like to do that, just raise your hand and Brian will bring you the mic. Dr. Burns. Because he allows his work to go through my hands. If you ask Rick, why do you involve God in your life? He would say, because I've seen how God has worked and given me an, an, an empowerment to do his work and how he has worked through my hands. Anyone else? Bring it down. Marty. I think for me, it's, uh, you know, I did not grow up in the church. Um, and for me, it is uh, just to know that we live in a broken world and I need Christ more than anything. If you asked Marty why he involves God in his life, he would, he, would, he would tell you, because of this world we live in, because we are broken, I know that he's the one who can make us whole. Anyone else? Joseph. He gives me two things. He gives me strength and he gives me songs. And to me, songs allow you to talk about things that people don't want to talk about. But when you sing it, you can hear it, you can feel it, and you can love it. And you can let it go. And so in that, he gives you strength to start over. If you were to ask Josie, why do you involve God in your life? She'd say, because he puts the song in my heart. Way in the back, Keith. And then Holly. A lifetime for of forgiveness for an imperfect servant. Why do you involve God in your life, Keith? Because he forgives me time and time again. I believe Holly had a hand up over here. I got baptized this summer to let God come into my heart. I was in a very abusive relationship, so now God puts his hands on my shoulders daily and directs me into the right way. If you were to ask Holly why she involves God in her life, she would tell you about her being saved, about how now he works in her life and, and gives her a power to get through the days. Daryl, is there a hand over here somewhere? For his promise of everlasting life, um, eternal life. Why do you involve God in your life, Daryl? Because he's the one that makes it possible for us to have eternal life. If 
Okay, I think we had one over here. I say I involved God in my life because growing up, I seen the worst side of life, living in a low-income household without a father. And through Christ, he gave me hope, and I found out that he is my father. So, yeah. Mm. You involved God in your life because he is your father. Look around. You have a family, too. It's your family. Each of you have a story. Each of you could, could say something. Um, we probably should go on. But that's an important question that you need to be asking yourself this week is why do, we, why do I involve him in my life? And then right along with that is that statement from, from mom, from Mary. Do whatever he tells you. You know, that's not always easy. All you got to look at uh, is, uh, is at this day, at, at this character known as St. Patrick. I, I think we have a picture of St. Patrick. Do we have it? Maybe you can put it up. There he is. <laughs> no, no I, actually, that's Ernie Manrique. You, you, you missed it. He came to church with that outfit on today. Celt and all. He, he was fired up. But, but St. Patrick, you know, we, we have a St. Patrick's Day um, and, and we have a lot of different celebrations and parades and different things, but it's often forgotten what it really is about. It's about an individual that in, in Ireland was called Padre. And St. Patrick had quite a, 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 God played quite a role in his life and in prayer and Bible study. According to his autobiographical account called Confessio, he was 16 years old when he was captured by Irish pirates. How many of you knew that he was not even Irish? He wasn't Irish. He was, he was from England. He was from Britain. He was captured by Irish pirates from his home in Britain and taken as a slave to Ireland. And because he was a young, young kid, he... He uh, was looking after animals, and by his account, he lived there for six years until he found a way to escape and return to his family in Britain. Now, during that six years, he practiced the presence of God through everything in his life. He, had, he adapted a lifestyle of prayer, and prayer throughout the day and night during that whole time that he was captive. And this is what he writes. He says, And the faith grew in me, and the spirit was roused, so that in a single day I have said as many as a hundred prayers, and in the night nearly the same. So that while in the woods and on the mountain, even before the dawn, I was roused to pray, to prayer. Now, he escapes, and when he gets back to, to, to Britain, his home, he begins reading the Bible, and he becomes an avid Bible reader. He's, he, he's devoted to God's Word. And it was during this development of reading God's Word that God tells him what to do. He, he senses that God is leading him to take the gospel back to Ireland. Now, I don't know about you, 
But if I was captured at age 16 and taken as a slave for six years into a country and I finally escaped, I don't think I'd ever want to go back. But for Patrick, he knew that going back to Ireland would be risking his life and he would be going back to people who were considered barbaric and pagan at that time. But he does that hard call on his life and he goes back to Ireland. And for four decades, for 40 years of ministry, Patrick helped establish several monasteries. He helped establish over 300 churches and hundreds and thousands of people were saved. That's why we need to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. You see, St. Patrick's Day is an opportunity that we can remember Patrick or Patrick's faithfulness to God's call but also remember God's amazing ability to use unlikely people like Patrick and like you and me. And all kinds of circumstances like the one Patrick was in and the one you're in, God can use all of that to advance his kingdom work provided we're willing to do what he tells us to do. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you and I praise you for this, uh, this story of Patrick, but even more the story of Jesus and how he began his ministry. We thank you that it was in a, the first miracle was in a, in a insignificant place and really um, had simply uh, um, ramifications for a few people. And yet, Lord, we know that when it comes to, to stepping up for you, that no task is too small. So be with us, Lord, as we move on from here, that we can truly contemplate the question of why, why do we involve God in, in our lives and also to do what you tell us to do. Let that be our challenge and our goal is to accept that challenge. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all stand and praise the God that moves in each of us very different and very special ways. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, your love makes me sing. Hallelujah, 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 your love makes me sing. Hallelujah, 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 your love makes me sing. Your love is amazing, steady and unchanging. Your love is a mountain firm beneath my feet. Your love is a mystery, how you gently lift me. When I am discouraged, your love carries me. Hallelujah, 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, you're the mix missing. Hallelujah, 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 you're the mix missing. Your love is surprising, I can feel it rising. All the joy that's growing deep inside of me. Every time I see you, all the goodness shines through. I can feel this God's song rising up in me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Your love is amazing, steady and unchanging. Your love is a mountain from beneath my feet. Your love is a mystery, how you gently lift me. When I am discouraged, your love carries me. Two, three, four. with someone who needs love, forgiveness, or hope. Point them toward God. Let them save them as He is saving you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the people of God, shout it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.